a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. So when we talk about the section free list, there are going to be points when we're talking about films you might not have heard of, films you might think you've seen but might get confused with other films, and films that um, probably uh, it's not that surprising uh, fit into those two categories. There's lots of reasons why films, um, you know, don't don't stick in the minds and become you know still pop properties. You know, forty years later. And the astrologer from, uh, well, 1975 initially is certainly one of those films. Now, although it was originally called The Astrologer, what we're going to do is uh, describe it by its, uh, well, we'll call it both, but uh, Suicide Cult, which is the name of the film that got released in, in the UK. The, it got released in the UK. Now, I'll explain how that happened. I'll explain why the film exists. I'll also explain probably why you can't, it's a little bit trickier to find these days. But also, I'll um, I'll go into a bit of detail about what the film's about, but only a bit. Because the thing you need to understand about Suicide Cult is, even its director realises that the script itself is a little bit of a nonsense. If I had that document, I could pinpoint the Virgin Mary's birth date to the exact hour. Wembley, you're going to have that document one way or the other. Very soon. We are now able, using computers, to accurately determine an individual's zodiacal potential for response to environmental situations and stimuli. Kajur's zodiacal potential evil is so high that he must dominate others. He has no choice. His activities have included ritualistic mutilations and public deploration ceremonies. Do you really think Alexei believes that a tribal outlaw with a few followers is going to take over the world? There has to be an answer. There is an answer, Kate. You just have to believe me. So Kate has the same zodiacal potential as the Virgin Mary. The child was waiting to be born. I honestly didn't do anything with a boy that could have possibly gotten me pregnant. I had to know the truth about the virgin birth. That's why I couldn't sleep with her. So, made in 1975 by uh, director James uh, Glickenhouse. Uh, the astrologer, better known in the UK as Suicide Cult, is a horror film from America. Um, 
Its story is unusual, to say the least. It's about a scientist who makes science, uh, computer science, and uh, also um, astrology to kind of get a better feeling for the future of humanity and mankind. He has a theory uh, that uh, he is getting closer to being able to predict the second coming of Jesus Christ. However, there is a, a cult figure as well, and a feeling that, as well as Christ coming, there might be also a second coming of something far darker in the world. And this Satan worshiping suicide cult is indeed a, a malevolent force in the story. Now, if we normally talk about video nasties at this point, I go, but of course none of that matters. You're here for the gore and the extremeness. And... But the reality of the astrologer is that that isn't the case. The film is a very chatty 70-odd minutes where uh, people go through big, lengthy um, exposition dumps. And then um, and there are there's a bit of nudity and a bit of violence as well, but nothing that's going to particularly um, catch the eye and, and freak people out. Our film's central character, in fact, is a guy called Bob Burrs, who plays a, a, a character called Alexi. Now, Bob Burrs, Alexi, as well as being a... Well, this is the only film he appeared in, shall we say. And also, um, the... Uh, the titular character name is 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 is, is so is said so many times by people that it also picks up on your Amazon Echo just to warn you as well, which I discovered when I rewatched the film this week. Um, most famously, I suppose in the in the cast, bearing in mind that the uh, the head of our our cult uh, is played by the producer Mark Buntsman, is um, Monica Tidwell. Now Monica is uh, was a. Uh, Playboy Playmate of the Month back in November 1973 uh, and um, is notable, I suppose, for being the first Playmate who was younger than the magazine itself. Uh, so uh, make of that what you will. And like a lot of uh, uh, people in that position, she'd attempted to, and to some extent, managed to uh, transition to the odd cinema film role. But at the core of this film is a man called James Clickenhouse, who you may have heard of some of his other films. Clickenhouse um, picked up the right to a pop boiler uh, for a book written by John Cameron um, called The Astrologer. And Clickenhouse decided that this was the book was going to be his first ever film. He kind of, although it's got a writing credit, a uh, uh, for somebody else, the actual film, what the, the script was apparently written by Glickenhaus himself. And um, he managed on a, a large budget for somebody with no money, $65,000, but a low budget for a film, to, um, to create this incredibly ambitious story crossing many continents. It even features a score by a young Brad Fidel, who obviously we spoken about before from uh, the video nasty night school but i'm pretty sure you probably remember him far better from terminator and the boom 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 synth that he created for that so glickenhaus had aspirations he had a belief he had a, a a wish to create a film and indeed he was enamored with his own script a conflate a convoluted and quite complicated beast in itself which featured Lots of conversations with two people in a room. Glickenhaus was born in 1950. He's an American. He 
works, he makes films, you know, he's uh, worked in a, as a film producer and a financier, and is best known for, uh, indeed, the uh, 1980 film The Exterminator. But he also executive produced films like um, Maniac Cop, Basket Case 2, he produced Frankenhooker, and McBain. He was a director for that, I should say. Um, so while he made some hard-boiled films, which no doubt do well on uh, on the Grindhouse circuit on VHS, this was actually his, early, his first foray, uh, an attempt that um, took him two years to create and produce. The canal says of the uh, when he was in, made the film, and he's in his he straight out of film school. In fact, he was in his twenties. He says at the time. In 1982, actually, an interview in the New York Times. I'd inherited some money, and I took all of it and lost it making a movie called The Astrologer. I'd been to film school, but film school was orientated more towards the avant-garde in those days. I didn't really know what a master was, or a cutaway, or a close-up. And I had great trouble conveying these ideas, except in dialogue. So The Astrologer, which is about 79 minutes long, was probably 60 minutes of dialogue. I mean, it was interminable. I don't think it was interminable then. I thought it was great, and interesting, and fascinating to listen to. Glickenhouse was able to convince basically everyone to work for peanuts. He said, it's funny. I mean, if you say to someone, can I come to your apartment with 600 people and walk on the rugs and plug things in that will run up your electricity bill and put a gaffer's tape on the walls, they'd say, no, you're crazy. But if you say, do you want your apartment to be in a film? They say, of course. Glickenhouse uh, states films like The Pit and the Pendulum, House of Usher, and uh, Sergio Giloni's uh, Colors of the Roads have been huge first films that sort of left a lasting impression on him. Indeed, you know, when you think about films like House of Usher and Pit and the Pendulum, these are big, grand, elaborate, beautiful films to watch. And he would have watched those round about when he was 10. So it took two years to create, but it only took 90 days to film on a 35mm Panavision at that. So he's obviously, and indeed, when we look at the film, there's a uh, again a, an editor's credit in there, which is the first thing that comes up in the credits, of a guy called Victor Zimmet. He'd done some, he's done some stuff in the past, um, a mixture of documentaries, video documentaries, TV. He worked on things like Extreme Makeover and as well on TV and um, various docos. But I mean, as a, as a, as a, you know, why he's involved as the, as the editor of this film, I have no idea. All I do know is he's given himself a big fucking credit at the end of it, which suggests that. When all this docu- all this uh, footage came over, it, uh, and and it was all uh, all dialogue heavy, it was uh, a bit of a battle for him to uh, to make head and tail of it. And indeed, that's why we possibly one of the reasons why we've got the film we have, where it's been kind of wrestled together in the edit. Glickenhouse is himself not a particularly um, enamoured with the film. He says in the book, uh, "Film Directors on Directing" by uh, John Gallagher. It was basically unwatchable. It had 72 minutes of dialogue. It wasn't undistributable, interestingly enough. If you could cut a trailer, which you were able to do, and you were to put up the money for prints and advertising, you could travel around the country with it. We used to make prints, ship them as excess baggage on the airline, rent a Hertz car, drive to a small town in Texas, take out 10 grand and agree to buy television ads, and lo and behold, you can distribute anything. It was before video when people still went to B-movies. The same thing that the video market has now become. On a Friday night, people would show up and they didn't tear up the theatre. The guys would give you the film rental and you'd be on to the next town. 
I took the astrologer can, uh, can by can around the whole southern United States, all through Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida. In doing that, I really got a feeling as to what people in the audience did and didn't like. I talked to a lot of theatre managers and got an idea for them for writing a more commercial script, which became The Exterminator. So as you can see here, although the film himself, is, he's kind of very dismissive of it, he does, it does indeed kind of give him the opportunity to understand what people want. Now, if you've not seen The Exterminator, what I will tell you is that what he basically gets from that is people want things exploding. The Exterminator is a big, brash action movie done on a very low budget, and it, what it does is it knows it's doing it on a low budget, so it kind of cranks everything up as much as it can. Um, it was. Uh, it is a film that is very much sold on its imagery on the on the box cover and on the posters with the you know this uh, mysterious man in a in a you know his head covered in a helmet, and um, you know exactly what you're going to get. You know. Uh, action and explosions and in that case in a Vietnam setting but the the, the film itself is um isn't necessarily um anything you know anything particularly surprising but at a time in the early 80s or 1980 in that case it what it does do is kind of highlight and suggest that um although there is a uh, you know allusions to something like death wish it does also kind of allude to these big one man on a rampage films that kind of come in later with Schwarzenegger far more in the 80s which is uh, so it kind of bridges the gap between the the grittiness of the 70s and the um and the more bombastic nature of 80s action cinema over a 5 year period in the mid 70s Glickenhaus manages to Although lose money, uh, tore and uh, tore this print around the southern states, and uh, as he's learning, he's also trying to recoup some of that cash. But um, one of the things about that is, and um, what he's telling is that films that may not be doing well in in the um, in the you know in, in New York or LA were doing gangbuster business in the southern states, and that's kind of. And the reason with that is that you know the care is being taken to tour prints at that stage, and those films were they more far more films like Smokey and the Bandit than they were you know I don't know the Connection or the Conversation as I say or French Connection. So all that's great, but where does Britain get involved in this? How does this film get picked up in Britain and become you know a bit notorious or slightly on the periphery of that notoriety? Well, a group of people called 21st Century pick it up and they rename it Suicide Club and it, it sorry, Suicide Cult. And the reason why it's renamed Suicide Cult is to, um, cash in or at least capitalize on in a very exploitative way the Jonestown Massacre. Now, the name itself doesn't really fit much in with what's happening on the film. The astrologer far more closely matches its strange, um, 70s hippiness and, uh, and pseudoscience. But the reality is obviously that, you know, that's not something that's good. No one wants to go run out and see a film about, you know, Russell Grant or something like that or whoever the, uh, you know, the, the famous astrologers are over in America. So instead, it's called The Suicide Cult. And it does okay. 21st Century makes some money out of it. Initially, they want to push it alongside as you know from the man who gave you the exterminator comes this but um apparently glickenhaus pushed back on that quite quite strongly in fact glickenhaus says 
I really did not want people to rip, to rip people off. It's not that I wasn't proud when I made the astrologer, but I didn't want people to be tricked into seeing it. So they had all these had these restrictions, but they still went out and tried all of that. They even went even further when they released it in England on video. They tried to make it look like it was my new movie, and I was a little pissed off. So the exterminator was very much based on his experiences on on making the astrologer now not in the sense of narratively but in the sense that uh, he he was trying to find out and work out something that would indeed sell so an example of that in this case would be um taking the uh the the film to to can and then realizing that um literally no one's going to buy the damn thing because it's just people talking and so if you're trying to sell into foreign markets the, you know, the, those people talking and not much action is useless to you because people, it's a far harder sell. When it comes to the exterminator, the script has very, very little dialogue at all and just descriptions of what people are doing. And Glickenhouse goes on to kind of make the, the film The Exterminator on the streets of New York um, in a guerrilla style almost. Um and adding some of this, as I said, this Vietnam footage at the, at the start of the film, which increased its budget from $850,000 to $2 million. But only because they had the confidence in the film that they made that they would be able to distribute it. None of that would have happened if Glickenhouse had, had you know, kind of gone away and thought about what the hell he was doing and um, made, uh, you know, uh, and made another, you know, a talky film like The Astrologer. It, it, it kind of, the film guided him towards this path, I think it's fair to say. And rather playfully, um, he adds uh, on, a, on, a, on a classic classic uh, trope, which you see a few times in films, he, he alludes to his own film and the exterminator where, where um, the astrologer is actually playing on a video in, in the corner. So I think it's fair to say, therefore, that looking at this film, um, although certainly indeed that we would not be able to be hugely positive in terms of the view and experience of the movie itself. And we can turn around and say, well, because of this film, we have um, other pieces of art that are, are good. And, and indeed, you know, the, if, if you're a fan of 80s, um, rather silly extreme stuff, Glickenhouse probably has had some kind of hand in something that you've enjoyed in the past, even if it's just producing Frankenhooker or um, some of the more fun uh, sequels to uh, to Basket Case, but um, I mean the Exterminator has had the Arrow film treatment, a lovely uh, lovely print of it, and uh, it is on Blu-ray. Whereas this, unfortunately, uh, has not had the same um, loving um, response. I think it's fair to say. Twenty first century collapse and the rights go reverted back to uh, to our man himself. Lickenhaus has no plans to uh, to re-release this film in any, in any meaningful format, and I think when we talk about the fact that he does want people to feel tricked, I think that's probably why. And um, while at the time, obviously, he felt that the astrologer was um, a, a piece of work he was proud of, now, obviously, you know, his experience has changed his views in terms of how he would make that film now. And uh, as he's grown as an artist, his... Um, he's kind of separated himself away from that. So I think it's fair to say that this might well be one of the films that uh, that's on the list that you may struggle to pick up in the future. Is that a shame? Well, I mean, 
it's it's not the best watch in the world. There's some interesting stuff in there. There's uh, an incredible foray with uh, the CIA and mind control at one point, and um, one of the deaths when somebody is, is her, her mind is controlled by this uh, this evil cult leader. It's certainly good fun and, and quite entertaining. There's a bit of nudity as well, although to be brutally honest. Um, and the world is not short of pictures of Monica Tidwell naked. But that's not, you know, that's... A, <laughs> it's, it's still a, you know, a fun, exploitative ride from that point of view, but it is very much bogged down in this bizarrely convoluted script. However, you know, as I say, in, in, in what's interesting about the film isn't necessarily the film itself, but more what it led up to. And I do find it fascinating that somebody would spend all this time and effort making this film and would just pounds like we can make money from this movie i'm going to drive this film around myself until this film makes its cash back which is um good fun and um you know a, a worthy way i think of, of making a living um certainly certainly uh I, it wouldn't be something i would have shied away from i thought i'd been a good good time on the road a few little small texan towns um in the 70s before uh you know, video finally got its got its uh, its fingernails into into the industry, um, and then home video moving to streaming now, I suppose, has finally took over. We are now able, using computers, to accurately determine an individual's zodiacal potential or response to environmental situations and stimuli. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Thanks also to Wolf who. Uh, email me just to say welcome back thanks very much and thank you Wolf hope you, uh, hope you're going to enjoy our next 80 odd episodes of uh, obscure <laughs> some, some not so obscure films um, if you want to get hold of me you can do it please do in fact it's at orange underscore monkey on twitter you can get me on uh, email at videonastypodcast at gmail.com or at ChristopherTheLastHorrorPodcast.com The episodes are on Spotify and also on where you normally get your podcasts. Um, so um, you go to the website TheLastHorrorPodcast.com or VideoNastysPodcast.com and they'll both be on there. Um, you know, Picky Poison, they're both fairly similar. Um you can leave comments on any of the articles there, and as well, and kind of give 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 your thoughts and feelings on 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 the films. And yeah, thanks very much for everyone being so lovely. It's been really nice to kind of um, get back to back back to this. It's been a you know, reasonably enjoyable intro to 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 covering the nasties list again, um, and not being uh, too too stressful or too too hard going. Um, so we've had a big film. We've had quite a uh, with Shogun Assassin, you know, quite a famous one. Uh, we've had a rather obscure little number that probably will remain obscure with Suicycles, and now we're going to go for Abducted, which is um, better known as Schoolgirls in Chains. So uh, we're going to shift focus again into a very much a more exploitative territory than than we. We've been we've been in so far, so have fun. <laughs> Take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.
never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, You've easy. never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. has the same zodiacal potential as the Virgin Mary.